What's up? Welcome to the Ask Elsie Podcast. I'm Harrison, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville. Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to be with you all today on the Ask LFC podcast. Um, Today, we are going to unpack our Missio Day trips uh, for the year of 2024, the first nine months of it, as that is sort of a vision headline of uh, for Lake Forest Church in the year. At the end of today's podcast, sometimes people dial into this. Uh, in some ways, like, what, what's on my pastor's mind? And I appreciate that. Uh, and so I brought a few books that I'm uh, just finished or am reading right now and just thought you might be interested in uh, in hearing what's on my mind. Fantastic. Um, Mike, what would be your 32nd Pastor Mike hat uh, pitch for somebody as a follower of Christ? Why is... Uh, why is going on the mission of God over uh, across national lines something that is important and foundational in someone's journey in their walk with Christ? If that's possible, maybe maybe oh two my minutes. Gosh, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me to make a seminal <laughs> statement that's succinct. I, I, even begin. even even uh, experiential. I'll I'll do my experiential <laughs> while you formulate okay, the okay. Co- the correct okay. answer. Okay. Um, I'll say for me in my own journey, uh, as a Christ follower, um, some of the most, uh, impactful and long, long lasting spiritual moments for me have been as a result of, uh, being a part of trips of disconnecting from my regular life and seeing what God is doing in other places around the world. It was on a trip, uh, to Peru in a lobby during a, regular morning devotional with the team that I really strongly <clears throat> felt um, called to ministry full-time in my life. And um, I think for me personally, can't speak for everybody, but I've heard similar stories, um, getting outside of your comfort zone and especially uh, approaching um, seeing what God is doing around the world as a learner and not as coming in as I'm coming in to save everything and be the hero of the story, but just going to humbly serve and see what God has for you. I've been so encouraged um, by what I've seen uh, in the church around the world that uh, has stuck with me and been absolutely foundational in my relationship with Christ. Well, hey, that's it for today's Ask LFC (laughs) podcast. Now that all of you are never going on a mission trip because you're like, dang, if that's what happens, I'm not going. I work for a bank. That's right. I have a pretty good income. <laughs> I get a pretty substantial bonus every February. I don't want to be called into full-time ministry and have to make what you're making. No. Um, <laughs> because here's what's odd, Harrison, and I'll back into an answer to your question. I experienced my call to full-time ministry also on a mission trip. Hmm. I was in East Africa during a summer in my college years after my between my sophomore and junior year. Um, I've said this before publicly, and I think you and I have talked about it privately, but mm-hmm. um, it was on that trip uh, because of the dynamic dynamics that you mentioned. It, it you you get into a hyper focused mentality on your own um, your own moment by moment walk with God, including morning and evening prayer worship. You're hyper-focused, you're hyper-aware more than normal of what we know is true all the time. If you're a Christian, then uh, what Jesus said uh, applies to us. He said, as the Father sent me, so 
I am sending you. And you feel sent. Mm-hmm. You, it's very clear. <laughs> you've you've in, asked friends and, and family to support you in prayer, if not in finances to go. You've prepared ahead of time. And you're just all in, 24 hours a day, um, on a mission trip to be a sent one mm-hmm. by Jesus to the world in the name of and the purpose of his love with the gospel, meeting physical needs and spiritual needs, um, and doing that so intensively for a short period of time can often change a person. Uh, you've heard, you know, I often say it resets an idling speed for back at home. It does not result in everyone being called to full-time mi- mi- uh, ministry or else we would have emptied out this church That's a long right. time ago. That's right. Um, however, I can, I, I, I'm not sure, uh, I'd have to think about it, but I can think of a number of elders and leaders here at Lake Forest who are, are great in their profession, happy in their profession, but who God set them on what their own personal ministry direction is. The, the passion began burning in a missions experience mm-hmm. where their life became uh, net-net more about Jesus. Um, So I I would say in answer to your question, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Um, The church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church, and that church is made up of disciples, and his mission applies most importantly to where we live and how we act as citizens and friends and neighbors and coworkers and all that, uh, and church members. Um, but mission trips are kind of like um, why you you go on a date with your spouse if you're married. You you all of your life can't be lived on a date, um, and therefore the, in bad marriages, by the way, they go you know a, a date. We don't need to spend that money. We we know we love each other. Let's let's just stay here, dressed like slobs all the time, doing whatever happens to come into our mind. Um, that's a recipe for a declining marriage. Hmm. Um, when you peak, when you, um, I've never made this analogy before and it may not stand up. You'll have to tell me. (laughs) All right, let's go. But when you peak to do special things as a couple, it, it, uh, it, it be, it can be emblematic of, of your value of the relationship. You're, you're hyper performing, I hope on a date. You, you make yourself more presentable to your, your beloved. You treat them a little extra. You, you realize, I'm focused on her or him right now. You're a little bit better at putting away the phone. You know, all those kinds of things. Totally. You're a little bit better at saying, no, 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 no. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. What restaurant would you like to go? What, what style of music concert? We agreed we want to do a concert because that was good for us back in the day when we were dating. Which genre of music would you like to do, baby? And and hopefully most of us who are in that kind of relationship are at our best. Then then that become that symbolizes it's a stake in the ground for everyday living. And and so I guess I could say that about a mission trip. But then to take it further, the value for us as American Christians to do that in a cross cultural way. Uh, a lot of uh, churches will call it bound in boundary crossing relationships. This mashes up 
being sent by Jesus, that we're to live on mission. The, the mission is what we exist for. It's not an optional part of our walk with Christ. Uh, it, a walk with Christ without mission it is by definition self-centered. Um, uh, and so, um, but we, we mash it up with his answer, because we also know the action verb of mission is love. They'll know you're my disciples by love, and therefore they'll know that I'm the Son of God. Um, that's the action verb, and Jesus was asked to define, well, who? Who's my neighbor that I should love? And he defined it in a boundary-crossing way uh, with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Hmm. The, 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 the answer to that, Joshmo believer in Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, or Jesus in our case, post-resurrection, um, is, is you'll most effect this mission when you love actively the, the physical uh, and, and emotional and other needs, including spiritual. He doesn't allude to that in that parable. Um, it's a very simple parable of someone who is ethnically, religiously, socioeconomically different mm-hmm. from you. That's the, that was the gut punch of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, saying it to the Jewish people and then painting a picture of, of boundary-crossing love and mission because you see a need. We're privileged as North American Christians to, to see needs um, and to organize ourselves to go. So all that to say, um, that was a, that's my answer. I think you're, I think the analogy holds up. It's a keeper. I okay, like it. Okay, okay. Uh, for, for a, another, another main reason. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Another, another main reason that really resonates with me, Mike, is, um, you know, in, in a, in a marriage, part of the reason you don't do it because of this, but a side effect of having these dates, these become the things that years later on you look back at and you share a fond memory or a mm-hmm. laugh together or a smile about a, a place that you went, honestly, even good and bad. Sometimes the yeah. experiences that are a little weird or is fun to remember. And that, that really, I mean, that really strikes a chord with me even when it comes to trips we see throughout the old Testament, God directing the people of Israel to build these, um, Ebenezer's on their journey, these monuments that they, when they pass by again, they're like, Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it, it's been, it's been like that for me, even on trips that I went on, you know, 20 years ago, uh, that a memory will come up and just brings a smile of like, man, God was so good when that happened. That, that was awesome. So it's just, it's become times because of the way that we prepare in, in, like you said, kind of a heightened sense of, <clears throat> of our own anticipation. It's just to me, no matter what the result is called into ministry or not, or just called to be more like Christ as, yeah. uh, in any area of your life. I, I really, really think, and I think many people's experience would back this statement up that going on these trips really leads to some of these places where the, the space, uh, the, the veil is thin where, where we, some of our walls are broken down in ways that we, uh, encounter God more powerfully than in our everyday life here. And just some, for me, just brought some things into clarity and a realness of faith of like, wow, this is like, this is really happening right now. On our international trips and regional trips, uh, uh, we, we may need to create more space for this on our at-home trips. We create time, daily time. We give means 
and encouragement to for uh, participants to journal about their walk mm-hmm. with the Lord, their experience with the Lord, and what it's implying for the rest of their life on every trip. When I lead a trip, and this year I am leading one of our international trips for the first time in a decade, um, I make everyone journal. Here's <laughs> journal your conversations with the Lord at least once a day, and I hear people come back to that for a, for a decade. Here's what I heard from the Lord. While, while I had uniquely set apart this time to serve him. An, another reason for the boundary crossing relationships is America. And I think this may be unique to American Christians. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not another nationality yep. Christian, so I can't speak for them. However, because we are uh, culturally the, um, the apex of world culture, and frankly, of power. You can talk about American empire in a sense. We're not actively seeking to acquire territory in the rest of the world, but we are and have been for some time. We are the the predominant world power, and we seek to maintain that influence, hopefully for good. Um, But uh, it's easy for us. We don't have to learn other languages and other cultures to get around. Um, We can, in the American and I'll say white church, majority culture church, can tend to think that our culture is the best or normative because it's the only one we know. We never have to deal with other cultures. On our trips, we we build into almost all of them partnership with Christians at that locale mm-hmm. um, in those countries. Uh, and so we're learning to read Scripture through other culture's eyes and it helps us to become more global christians i think we could say that that might trigger somebody to go oh is that is that that boogeyman called you know uh, elite globalists i'm not talking about that and i'm not sure what might trigger that for you or not but i do want to be a world christian who um cares about the world who acknowledges the image of god in every human culture i think every human culture itself including ours has unique displays unique aspects of the image of God at a cor- at a collective level. Like you can go, oh, that's pretty. Those people, uh, you know, are really productive. The image of God in human community, God's a productive God. I think every human culture also shows unique facets of the fallenness and twistedness and unique evil of what has become of the image of God in, in human individuals and therefore communities as well. And you can find that. Um, so those are some of the, and and then there's just flat out the, the, um, there's so much need in the world Mm -hmm. to, we've chosen a theme of most of our, uh, missions, uh, giving most of our regular missions, in the community, in town, and when we go to serve, has to do with vulnerable children in our town. The most vulnerable children in our town are the children of first-generation immigrants, and we mobilize a lot of our local mission to serve their needs and love them and introduce them to a life with Jesus. That's what we do in other places as well, serving alongside apostles who do that. We have the means to do so, and, and because... Jesus has given uh, unique talents to the American church, and, and those are uh, relative to other Christians in other countries. Ours have to do with uh, riches. <laughs> Therefore, 
when we go, we're deploying one of the things that we have unique to other cultures, which is we bring finances to bear on human problems. Yeah. And we've also <clears throat> learned the, I, I would say the, the church in general, and we're no exception to this <clears throat> as we've figured out putting trips together. It was funny cause I was, I was talking with our African, uh, mission partner, Percy Maleba, who's centered out of Zambia. And he was talking about some of the work that he does going from village to village and partnering with local churches to train their worship leaders, really important and really cool work. Um, and I was asking him, he said the, the amount of subcultures and sub languages and subgroups that are barely contacted, even in his own country that are within hours of drive of, of where he's at uh, is so high. I was like, how do you build, you know, connections with a brand new group like that? And he said, we always begin by finding somebody there who looks like they're already doing it right. And we go, mm. how can we help you? How can we partner with what you're doing? And that, that even in the Percy of wisdom doing that, what you'll see in our Lake forest trips <clears throat> is really similar to that. We rather than, uh, Rather than coming in and showing up and saying, all right, the, the crew's here to save the day. We're coming in going, what, it, what, is, what is the local church? What are some of our local mission partners doing well here? How can we help equip them? How can we help partner with them? How can we help encourage them? And how can we learn from them? So it's very much in all of these instances, it's really us just coming in, kind of being like, you guys are killing it. How can we help you? That's really well said. Harrison, why don't we just go go trip through the trips? Let's do it. The Missio Day trips. One, it's too late to sign up for. Um, the the next one is the Men's Honduras construction trip, which is the end of February, and that's a, a that's a full team. They are full uh, of men who are going to do construction improvements to our Honduran home for abandoned children that we support, and those children are being refamilied. Uh, we're excited that they're um, doing what they're doing. So mm-hmm. the, the ones that you could participate in, and by the way, we we have a written and or unwritten goal. I do as lead pastor that every ministry partner at Lake Forest at some point in their discipleship journey here would would participate in a cross-cultural mission experience. That doesn't have to be going to a different country, but we provide them in town. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a goal. I and in this year, we want to get back to. Um, I don't. I don't want to look backwards to the weird years, but we do want to get back to uh, where we send a minimum of ten percent of our ministry partners on mission trips uh, per year. That we are not only tithing all the finances given to us at Lake Forest back into God's mission around the world, and we're we're progressive tithing. We do thirteen percent. <clears throat> But that we are tithing our membership uh, into God's mission uh, outside of Lake Forest Church. This is—it's like date night in a marriage. It is hmm. emblematic. It's so that we are—we know that we're not kidding ourselves, Harrison. We are going to always make room for one more person at Lake Forest Huntersville. It's exciting to be here. I was so filled up in worship. I wasn't preaching, and I feel weird on Sundays when I'm not preaching. I'm like, whatever. What a, are we still doing this every Sunday? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this really worth it? I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I was odd when I walked in here Sunday. I was lifted up I, I, after worship and mm. Andrew's sermon. I was in love with our church all over again. 
I want to be part of that. Sign yeah. me up. But this is emblematic. We can measure if we're kidding ourselves and it's really just about us. So, yep. so I, I'm <clears throat> asking, honestly, for our congregation to extra deploy ourselves this year. We need to... We need to be sure we're out of any rut we may have fallen into of necessity mm-hmm. during uh, shutdown times. So the next trips, the Hon- there's a Honduras family mission trip. And if we say family mission trip, that means it's kind of open for older elementary. Don't quote me on that. It might it could it could be start at middle school. Yeah, through adults. Uh, a hallmark of our mission experiences through the years, by the way, which Angie and I pioneered with our own children is family-oriented mission trips, some of the most important formative things we did with our sons. So the Honduras family mission trip is uh, in the middle of June, and again, we're participating in rescuing children from uh, abandonment and sexual exploitation in this very disturbing part of Honduras into and refamilying them uh, into Christ-centered homes and families. And we do construction work, but especially sidewalk Sunday schools, and we go into some very remote mountain area villages, share packs of food with families, pray for them. That's Honduras Family Mission Trip in June. That, that's the trip, Mike, that uh, my 12-going-on uh, <clears throat> 13-year-old middle schooler are praying about going Is on together. Right? Yeah, we're, uh, he's been wanting to for the last couple of years, and we're, okay. we, uh, as of Sunday, are... are are bringing this exact paper home and praying together and thinking, is this the right time and the right year for us to go together, which would be super cool. Well, that's neat. I, I know God's answer. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Just ask me if you want to know. Yeah, that's right. Can I get time off, Mike? <laughs> uh, the Bolivia family mission trip, um, w- where we're serving a home for abandoned boys, the Honduras Life Center with our partner ministry in both of these countries, Honduras and Bolivia, is the, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Children's Impact Network. Mm-hmm. I'm on their board. In uh, their Bolivia Life House is all boys, and it's a very large home. And we'll be there doing the same thing as the Honduras Family Mission Trip. This is re-emerging in a partnership with the Bolivia Life Center. When we became a family of churches and we were sharing Missio Day trips, our Davidson Church and our Huntersville and Westlake churches each took a lead in leading some of our mission trips. And over time, that meant we stopped leading a, a Bolivia trip. We're picking that back up. I'm leading that one with Spencer Lilly. Spencer uh, and Allison Lilly have been sponsoring uh, boys there for decades now. Uh, we're seeing marriages of boys we've sponsored for over 20 years, mm-hmm. college graduations. It, it's beautiful. We're going to have a uh, a fellow in the Lake Forest family of churches, a grown 20-something young man who grew up in this home, has graduated college, mm-hmm. and is well-educated, and he's going to be a fellow working in the family of churches this summer. All that to say, I'm excited to lead that trip. I'd love if God's calling any of you. It's a very poor country. I love shining the light of Christ there. That's awesome. There's the Club yeah. 54 West Virginia mission trip. I talked with a mom of a middle schooler after church last Sunday. This is Loving the Impoverished in Appalachia. This is especially for our Club 54 ministry of fourth and fifth graders. It is a happening. There is, even though the preaching is kind of questionable here at this church, if I lived within 20 miles of here and had a fourth and fifth grader and knew what was going on, I would be at Lake Forest Church. I'd tolerate the trifling preaching <laughs> and that, that you know, 
so-so uh, music leadership yeah, yeah. to be in Club 54. This is a powerful one to do with your child at a formative time in their life and in your relationship. That's also the middle of June. Man. Stacked June, up. Harrison, uh, yeah. A weekend in Asheville. <clears throat> this one is August. Befriending our homeless neighbors. We support a church plant. House of Mercy, Asheville. It's very cutting edge. They're serving the homeless population in downtown Asheville, which all of us are familiar with if you've ever been through that city. Uh, formerly incarcerated, there's some major prisons nearby, and they have a lot of formerly incarcerated there. Uh, it's a beautiful church. They worship on Sunday afternoons. We go and are hosted by them to serve the people they're already doing ministry to. This one is a long weekend. It, it's a very approachable mm-hmm. trip. Uh, again, this this can be a family trip. We would not take young uh, grade school children. However, you'd probably start with teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pastor Andrew will be leading that trip. I believe Andrew is also part of the Honduras trip, although I don't know that. <clears throat> um, Daryl Lipe, our elder, will be leading our Club 54 trip as always. Mm-hmm. So ably, my son Austin went on that uh, back in the day. The Appalachian Service trip this would be joining our this would be if you need an october missio day trip experience and this is going along with our westlake church you remember sunday andrew put up a slide uh our westlake forest celebrated their 10th anniversary on sunday yep and this would be going with them doing repairs to homes in the appalachian mountains i believe that is also a Mm -hmm. long weekend Mm -hmm. in october yep um there's a couple of other opportunities that are different than these. Um, uh, one, have you ever participated in the one team soccer camp, Harrison? I have, I have. It's you awesome did? out there. I didn't yeah. know that. I've I've gone out and uh, just in in little bits and pieces of of helping here and there. I haven't participated in a whole camp straight through from beginning to end, but have uh, jumped in on some short spots. And what they do out there is so awesome, man. It's it's, it's very if you enjoy. Uh, if you enjoy being outside, especially when it's a little on the warmer side, but hanging with kids at all ages and doing and and it, it's it's been a really cool thing for <clears throat> especially our partnership with uh, the Huntington Green neighborhood and especially now with Pastor Victor um, jumping in. We've had the soccer camp since before him, but you know uh, El Buen Samaritano's partnership and pouring into it is awesome so great about that in the family of churches it's our ministry partners partnering with latino ministry partners of el buen samaritano our sister church so we're co-equally ministering and the soccer camp is we call it one team because it serves both the children of huntington green who are children of first generation immigrants and the children of lake forest in a camp together it's really a, a, a beautiful thing. So I'm looking. That's um, evenings, July 10th through 13th this yep. summer. Mm-hmm. That one is cost free, but it will cost you your time and a bunch of sweat. That's it right. was hot out there <laughs> last right. summer. Yep. Um, the other opportunities. <clears throat> this is really new. We are um, our El Buen Samaritano Church has attracted some partner ministries in the country of Mexico. Mexican Christians care about. Mexican nationals who've come to the U.S. and are struggling. Mm-hmm. And we've ended up, Victor through and Rosemi, because they went to the Mexican Presbyterian Seminary, they have a partnership with some Presbyterian Mexican churches. They're sending a, a mission team 
to serve. They'll be here for soccer camp and for some other things. And so we have opportunities to host an individual or a couple, or I guess it could be two teenagers. I don't really know their makeup. I have no idea. Yep. To, but to host them in your home. Now, this is for two full weeks, not just one week. If they're coming from Mexico, they're coming for a long visit. You would be providing bed and breakfast and hospitality. This is a really unique opportunity for boundary-crossing friendships with fellow Christians. Uh, I don't think we know exactly how many homes are needed yet. I'm going to get—they sent a team last summer, and I believe it was seven or eight individuals. That's pretty cool. No, it's awesome, man. It's it's really really neat. And and what I love about all this together, but what you just highlighted really points out even more that that, like you said, we we would love we love for everybody to go across cultural lines on a trip. We have a ton of opportunities this summer, but for for life reasons, for whatever reasons that pop up, <clears throat> um, being a part of the soccer camp, or even if you if you have the gift of hospitality and feel like. I could do something, I don't know what, but I know I could at least make make a guest room in my house available and provide a meal for a couple of weeks. Um, there's just, there's all kinds of ways. So I'm just hoping that as you're listening to this, that something out of that menu board of, uh, of opportunities has, <laughs> has perked your ears up a little bit. Yeah. So let's, I, I'm asking you to be extra, just as your pastor, to be extra sensitive to a call from the Holy Spirit to participate in one of these this year. I want to get to this fall and just celebrate and worship God for the privilege of living on his mission and celebrate the fruit in our lives and in our congregation and then say, Lord, we want more. Harrison, let me finish by just some headlines on some books that I'm reading um, in case it's of interest to someone. I just finished a book by Tim Alberta called The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory, American Evangelicals in an Age of Extremism. I had heard about this book. I had heard Tim. He is a uh, Christian, a son of an EPC pastor who was a colleague of mine until he died of a heart attack. Um, So I was interested to hear him on some podcasts about this. He's a noted journalist with The Atlantic uh, and others. Um, But uh, here's just a little blurb. Timely, rigorously reported, and deeply personal examination of the divisions that threaten to destroy the American evangelical movement. Mm. I was interested to read it for its content, but also, as it turns out, three different EPC pastors, uh, one in Michigan, one in New York, uh, actually two in Michigan, are featured actually in chapters. I didn't know this uh, until I was at a retreat with uh, the 30 EPC pastors nationally that we gather together every January to support each other. And I'm just so proud of these men and their witness in this mm. book, quite frankly. It made me more proud of the EPC. It, it's a dive into divisions happening within quote-unquote evangelical Christianity in particular. I, I mean, I, I might summarize it. Those of us, me, you've heard me do this publicly, who would only use the word in a theological sense— and, uh, and there are many churches in, in this white evangelicalism that are uh, becoming more politically identified uh, monolithically. So mm-hmm. if you happen to be interested in such things, um, I do actually recommend the book, although it's quite provocative uh, in some of its theses. 
Um, I finished, uh, actually I haven't finished, I need to get back to a book called The Other Half of Church, Christian Community Brain Science and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation. This is a, a, a quite the hot topic among some groups of pastors, uh, taking seriously some, some movements forward in brain science that we haven't been engaging the, uh, whatever the half of the brain is that we euphemistically call the creative side enough uh, in uh, discipleship or spiritual formation, and that it's the attachment side of the brain more than the creative side. Really fascinating uh, implications for discipleship. Jeff Cook and uh, and some others put me onto this book. In church leadership news, I'm also reading um, Future Church, Seven Laws of Real Church Growth by Will Mancini. Um, this is, uh, I, I, for a long time, once we became a larger church, I mostly read books about spiritual growth that were, that were critical and anti-large church, because those were the books that, uh, by people who seemed to care more about spiritual formation of disciples, and books about becoming a larger church often were, were, would focus on the bigger numbers. I'm interested in both because um, the Great Commission has an ambition as big as the world, Harrison, and um, uh, and God keeps moving people into Huntersville and Lake Norman and Charlotte, and we want to reach more numbers of souls as we can. This book, however, is intended for growing churches like ours um, that take uh, want to take discipleship and spiritual formation in a, in a new age epoch of culture very seriously, and so I, um, Jeff... Cook and I are starting to read that together, nice. including re-examining our spiritual formation uh, philosophy or, or strategy here at Lake Forest. Um, another leadership book I'm reading is The Founder's Mentality, How to Overcome the Predictable Crises of Growth. I'll let that sit. Um, one that, I, that Angie and I are both tripping through slowly is... Um, you've heard me refer to the fact that a, a great mentor of my life and friend, Ken Schultz, um, died quite suddenly last fall, right? This the, uh, almost coterminous with our 25th anniversary as a church. It was emo- an emotionally conflicting October for me. Um, thankfully, one of our mutual friends uh, has taken his devotional writings on every psalm and turned it into a book. Hmm. called Sitting in the Psalms, A Daily Devotional, Ken Schultz. I'm just <clears throat> enjoying a little more time with my friend Ken. Um, that's something you can order if you happen to be a mutual friend of Ken Schultz, or you're looking for a guide to the Psalms. Whenever you open the Psalms, you can cross-reference by any Psalm in Ken's book. It's outstanding. Last thing, I think I've already mentioned this to you, our listeners, that um, this year for my devotional um, habit, my personal relationship with God. Uh, I'm spending time daily uh, in the mornings, uh, just about every morning, re-going re- through my the, the devotional called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And it, it's, uh, it's memorable for me because I have gone through this at various times in my life, going back to my early days with the Lord. So it it, it brings... Um, like in a love relationship, it it's recapture. It's bringing up some good memories with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's bringing up some hard memories in my own life, and it's recalling me to some of my best selves 
through the years of following Christ and giving over different new parts of my life to his lordship. I'm really enjoying this, uh, and I just thought I'd mention that. It's the best. I'm going to start joining you on that, Mike. Now that you remind me of it, I'm joining in. I'm jumping in here on February 6th as we're recording. They have a companion uh, app to this also you can download on your okay. iPhone or Android that has the daily devotionals okay. without even having the book. You can just click them and uh-huh. jump on at in. At this so point, I'm, I'm committed in. to the book. It has notes going back years and years. That's awesome. Actually, this is my father's copy. Oh, man. So it has some of his notes. So uh, about cool. once a week, there'll be a note uh, that my dad made. That's awesome. Well, hey, we are uh, thankful for you guys continuing to join us here on the Ask LC podcast. We love hearing uh, about every Sunday from folks coming up and telling us how they're joining us on this journey. We appreciate you all, and uh, we would love to Ooh. see you on some trips. Yeah. Speaking of the college student that I mentioned when I introduced the Apostles' Creed yeah, Sunday, yeah. he texted me after church. He said, Pastor Mike, uh, I loved hearing you talk about our conversation, uh, and I loved how you framed up the Apostles' Creed. I love our church. Thanks for your encouragement. Sweet. Yeah, that was fun. That is awesome. All right, well, hey, we'll catch you guys next time on the podcast. Good to be with you all as usual. See you guys.